Welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Schmitz, joined by my co-host, Mike Schmitz. How are you today? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm actually wearing my very cozy Intentional Family white hoodie sweatshirt, which you is... are. I can see it. It's so cozy. <laughs> Available still on Cotton Bureau, if you're interested. There's t-shirts as well. But it is definitely getting to be sweatshirt weather. Yeah, which I have a love-hate relationship with that season. <laughs> but if you need a cozy sweatshirt, there'll yes. be a link in the show notes. Definitely. Today we're going to talk to you about when it's just not working. Because it's not perfect all the time, regardless <laughs> of what Instagram tells you. So we want to talk about what do you do when things aren't working? What does things mean? That could be health, school, work, family life, really anything. But when you recognize that there's a lot of friction and you kind of feel like you're beating your head against a wall sometimes, what do we do? For us recently, the start of the school year, it was slow going, getting, getting into the flow. <laughs> yep. That could be for a lot of reasons, one of which I believe is likely that things have looked and felt so different for so many months now. The end of last school year was very bizarre. The summer was kind of like a free-for-all for us, which we usually have a little bit more structure. But so getting back into the school year for us at home was a bit of a transition. Yep, that's true. <laughs> that didn't quite transition very smoothly. Yeah, I wouldn't focus too much on that part. I think that's the part that people can beat themselves up about. You, everybody's got a perfect plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> that's true. So... The important thing is not that, oh, look, everything fell apart, but what do you do when things fall apart and how do you fix things that aren't working? So don't get upset that things broke, but where do you, how do you go forward from here and make sure it doesn't break again? Yeah. And I have a tendency to be rather hard on myself. And so when things are really not working, I take it hard and I... I tend to internalize things too much. And so what I've learned over the years is to just look at it for what it is and deal with it. So we're going to unpack a lot of that today. But just to explain the situation a little bit to help maybe relate and just to show you how much we don't have it going on a lot <laughs> of the time. Um, I have been homeschooling the children since our oldest was five. So we never actually had them in, uh, I guess, quote unquote, traditional school setting. And each year I learn more and more, but each year is different based on their ages, based on, you know, what other things are going on. And this year with our four boys all in school, let's say seventh, fifth, third, and first, and then a toddler that you're trying to potty train, I just kind of felt like, what is happening? <laughs> it felt very overwhelming. I'm like, how do people do this? I know other people have this many kids in homeschool and have a toddler they're potty training. I know this has been done before. I know this can be done, but this is not working for me right now. And I don't mm. really know why. So I felt so stressed. I was not focused. The kids weren't focused. I wasn't sleeping well because I was stressed. Let's, let's stop right there for a moment though, because you said something that I think is very important, and that is that you know that other people have done this, and so you create in your head this picture of what it should look like for you because you've seen somebody else do it before, right? Yeah, I mean, I definitely do that, and 
I, I just, I guess I think that way too. Like people have done this before. I should be able to do this. That is true. People have done it before. And in some scenarios, that can be an encouragement because you can think like, well, I'm trying to do this big thing. I'm not sure it can be done, but this person has done it. So it inspires me to, to try. But it can also work negatively where you look at what somebody else is doing and you think to yourself, they've got it all together. And the fact that I'm struggling with it must mean that I don't. And that's dangerous. You know, we started off by talking about how you look at Instagram and everybody portrays the absolute best version of their life. No one has problems in their social media posts. You don't see the crying child, the defiant child, the one that hates doing schoolwork and fights you every day. So you look at these pictures on Instagram specifically, and I use Instagram as the example because I think that's the one that is the worst when it comes to this. And you see, especially like the people that you are fairly public online, they will tend to share like the highlights of their life and then you get this thing in your head that, oh, their entire life is like this. And it's never the case. (laughs) But that's what they share. That's what you see. And so that's kind of the standard that you create in your own head of how things are supposed to be. And if it's not simple and glamorous like that, then kind of what's wrong with me? (laughs) Right. Right. And you know, there's no one that has it all together. There's no one that has everything looks perfect. Every family member looks perfectly put together and their house looks perfect all the time. That it's not accurate. And that's not to say the people that have accounts like that, um, that they're trying to portray a false picture. It's like, well, why would yep. you post something that's negative? You know what I mean? So it's just the way that we view it and how we internalize it. And that comparison yep. thing, if we're feeding on Instagram, if we're feeding on social media, what are we doing? You know, we're not building ourselves, And that's just, that is just setting us up for comparison and feeling bad about ourselves. Yep. Comparison is, is deadly. And, uh, really, uh, I, it's social media is not good for a whole lot, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, it's an algorithm. They show you the things that they think you want to see. And for some social media networks, that means that they're going to show you all the negative stuff to get you riled up. And uh, there's this term, doom scrolling, which I think applies even to the news now too, but where you just start cranking through your news feed and you're getting upset about the things that you're seeing there. Uh, And I think that Facebook specifically for me, that tends to be the place where I get like a lot of the negative stuff, which is why I'm not there at all. And then Instagram is kind of the one that people go to is like, well, at least when I'm on Instagram, I feel good because it's kind of like if Facebook's going to feed me all the negative because that's what they want in their algorithm, then at least Instagram is giving me the positive and so it's not so bad. But it is. It's a little bit insidious because that creates, like I said, that standard that you hold yourself up to and you walk away from that and you're like, oh man, my life kind of stinks compared to <laughs> what everybody's sharing on there. And really what we're going for, and this is really the the crux of this whole episode is that you don't want to have a positive or a negative approach necessarily when you are looking at and examining your own life and your own systems and trying to figure out what's broken because you don't want to get upset about the fact that something is broken. You want to be able to see it for what it is and you want to be able to make adjustments to the systems in your life to create better results for next time. And so our goal with this podcast is to share some of the ways that our systems have been broken and share how we have addressed them and fixed them. 
Yes. And so when we're going through those times where it feels like the waves are crashing, it's choppy waters, like this is not a peaceful ride. Where's the calmness? Welcome to life. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So we could just keep getting tossed in the choppy wind whip waves or escape the rough waters and return to calmness. Now that sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Now, I've been studying a little bit about peace recently. I just felt led to do that. And I know I believe in God. He's been faithful to me my whole life. And he knew what I needed because he he taught me a few things that peace is actually very active. A return to calmness sounds may sound too good to be true, but I learned that it's peace to subdue, which is active, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really, really powerful because we can go through this crazy life, right? And all these crazy circumstances, but that doesn't mean we need to be crazy in, in the crazy. Yep. We can be calm. We don't have to be whipped into a frenzy by the storms that we see around us. Yeah. And one of my favorite passages that I've actually studied and walked through a lot with the children is the fruit of the Spirit, found in Galatians 5, through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is the divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, a strength of spirit, never set the law above these qualities. These are meant to be limitless. How powerful is that? Mm -hmm. And the one that really got me was the peace to subdue. And in looking up the word subdue, it's really interesting because it means to conquer and bring into subjection. An example sentence would be Rome, subdue Gaul, which is kind of funny to me because those three words in a sentence are used a lot in Latin for Toby and I in translating Latin. Kind of interesting. Sure. But anyway, um, to overpower by a superior force, to overcome, to bring under mental or emotional control as by persuasion or intimidation, to render submissive. I never thought of peace as being that active. Yeah. Isn't that powerful though? Or that violent, maybe? (laughs) Yeah. No, like for real. It's really, really interesting. So why would we have to subdue something to have peace? Wouldn't it be because the barrage of everything going around us, uh, our mind racing, the circumstances screaming at us no matter where we look? We have to subdue all of that in our head. We have to subdue it in our heart. And that's what peace to subdue because then the peace comes from the inside out and it overpowers our mind from racing and we respond instead of react. Exactly. So there's two ways that you can live your life. You can live from the outside in and react, like you said, to everything that happens around you and get emotional about things that are unfair or that aren't right. Or you can live from the inside out And that's where the peace comes from. And things don't rattle you. You know that everything is going to work out. And this is our pastor's wife specifically teaches this lesson over and over and over again, spirit, soul, and body, right? Yes. But that's really what it is. And the one that you feed is going to grow stronger. Now, as it pertains to like all the craziness that's going on in the world right now, 
I have heard we have this men's curriculum that we go through. Uh, the author is Ed Cole. And it's interesting, the one that we went through last week for our our men's group meeting was uh, talking about the definition of faith versus fear. And it's actually the exact same definition. Both faith and fear are a belief that something that you can't see is going to come to pass. Wow. But faith is the positive version of that. That's the one living from the inside out. And fear is the, the negative version of that, and that's living from the outside in. I really believe that if you are just reacting to the things that are going on around you all the time, you are exercising the law of attraction in a negative way, and you're going to keep attracting those negative things. But likewise, if you can flip that script and you can live from the inside out, then you will start to attract the positive. Now, how does that pertain to like the systems and things like that? We have to look at things the right way. Yeah. <laughs> we have to recognize that this thing right here that I see that's producing a bad result, maybe what I see on the surface isn't really what's going on here. And so I got to dig a little bit deeper and I got to figure out what is not just the symptom, but what is the disease? What is the cause of this thing? And what do I really do about that? And we've got an example here with the school stuff. You want to walk through this? Yeah, we have, uh, there was a lot of different dynamics with the school thing this year. Uh, first of all, the oldest being in seventh grade, whole new curriculum, very much a lot going on, very new for him. So I knew I had to be very hands-on with him. For example, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I sit with him for a full hour doing Latin, just Latin. So I still have to check in with his other subjects. And that's just one child, right? And then Joshua, he needs one-on-one time as well. Not as much as the other ones, but still I have to check in with him. Mm -hmm. He's learning a lot of grammar and writing skills, doing an awesome job. He loves it. But I still have to be helpful to him and be present. And I have my Mr. Jonathan, who's starting to like school a little bit more. (laughs) But, you know... He he's very bright. Yes. But he doesn't necessarily want to do it, right? So Well, this is also where got to point out that each kid is extremely oh, different. It's crazy. So, we had a little minor breakthrough with Jonathan the other day because one of the biggest things is getting him to focus on what he's working on. Yep. And you weren't even working with him. And Toby was yeah. I had to down. run to, with one of them to the ortho checkup and yep. come back, and so Toby's helping back him. And the thirteen-year-old, almost thirteen-year-old, uh, figured out that you can motivate him by giving him little marshmallows when he <laughs> mini marshmallows when he gets sections of his work done. And it was when he does it by himself. Yes, which he totally can. Yes, but when you're right there, you know, he's oh, I don't know what to do, and then you jump in and tendency is to like, I've got to get this done. So we're just going to crank through this. I'm going to help you through this instead of forcing him to do it on his own. Cause who's got time for that? You know, well, in this particular case, Toby figured out how to motivate him to hey, get his we'll own get solo mini marshmallows. <laughs> Fine. It's worth it. <laughs> but you never would have thought to do that because there's no. no way that would have worked with Toby. There's no way that would have worked with Josh. No, they like <laughs> so school. I never had to do that with them. Yeah, your brain doesn't even go there because it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, of course, that's not going to work. <laughs> right. Know? But sometimes all it takes is a, a little bit different perspective to see things for what they really are. Yeah. 
And then our, our Malachi, he's like our exclamation point, I guess you could call him. Yep. Uh, 100 miles an hour all the time. He is has a really big, vibrant personality. So he likes to speed through stuff as quick as he can. So you got to be on him because <laughs> it's like, wait, 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 slow down. You didn't even really practice that properly or you didn't actually fill out. You just kind of circled stuff. Yep. <laughs> so you just kind of watch him. He gets it, but he just goes so fast. Yep. But he misses stuff, you know? Yeah. So at the beginning of the year, all these kids needing different approaches and going back to school now after a crazy summer, crazy spring, they don't really want to be doing it and things weren't working. No. And then you have a <laughs> a little girl who you think should be easy to potty train because you hear everyone say girls are so easy to potty train. Well, apparently I didn't get one of those. <laughs> because we didn't really want to do that. Why would I do that? When you can just change me, it's easier, Mom. Yeah. And so we had to call in the reserves, and uh, I'm not I'm not too proud to ask for help. And I asked my mom to come for a day. I'm like, can you just do a full-on potty training day, just one-on-one with Adelaide for the full day? Because she just needs that. She needs a kickstart to help her get it. And she did, and she's done awesome since then. A little bit of regression here and there, which is normal. So there was no schedule, there was a lack of structure, and I felt very unfocused because I was pulled in a million directions. It was an upgrade in the demands on the kids because they went up a grade. Toby changed programs. He's still in classical conversations, but he's doing this whole thing now where they're using a planner, and it's kind of like going from... Middle school to high school, in a sense. Yeah, that's not no, what it's he was a, doing, but yeah, the it's very advanced, and I didn't want him to feel overwhelmed. So I'm working very, very closely with him, helping him fill out his planner regularly and everything too, because he's never had to use a planner before and do time management even. Exactly. Yeah, and, and then there's Malachi and Jonathan, who still they're young enough to. Th- kind of think that the whole world revolves around them. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, to try and, and demand your time all the time. And yeah. you can't do that, obviously. So I'm sitting at a table and they're all like, I need help with this. And I, need, and I felt like a deer in the headlights just looking around going, who do I help next? And I'm bouncing around going, this is not working. I am so stressed right now. And then it get to like late afternoon and people still have stuff to wrap up. I got to start making dinner. And I'm like, what is happening? Yes. This is crazy. So then, uh, you know, I started talking to Mike about it and he gave me a really good insight. Well, actually, even before the insight, I remember talking to you and asking, like, do we need to send them to school? Because I could tell this was really stressing you out. And I basically said, you know, if it's not a knock on your character if you can't do this. I mean, I really can't help you a whole lot because I'm working most of the day. (laughs) But I understand like potty training and four boys to homeschool, if that's too much, we can look at other options. And at first, I think you were kind of offended at me that I even suggested that. (laughs) I, I really honestly wasn't. I was just like looking at it going, yeah, I mean, it's always an option, I guess. I mean, but... Honestly, in praying, I believe we're still supposed to do this. We're still supposed to homeschool. So I'm like, okay, I believe I'm supposed to be doing this. So there's something I'm not getting. There's something I'm not seeing. And I remember you even saying, 
you know, like if this isn't working, let's, you know, find a place for them to go to school and you can get a job. And I'm going, part of me is like, that sounds kind of nice, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of like playing with the idea in my head and then going, but that's not the plan. Yep. <laughs> that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Exactly. And that's, uh, that's what I wanted to get to is that we talked about the options and then we prayed about it and decided that this was the thing that we're supposed to do. So at that point, we know this is the thing we're supposed to do, but the way that we're doing it right now is not the right way. Yeah. So, so it's then not it's, the... show us the right way, guys. Yeah. Well, it's like <laughs> the thing we were doing in and of itself was not wrong, but the yes. whole system was all jacked up. But we were trying to do it the wrong way and it caused everything to be harder mm-hmm. and ultimately for things not to work. If it would have continued like that, we would not be where we are right now. No. And (laughs) you know, when you are under, when you feel so much stress that you're not sleeping well, that you are set off by the littlest things and everything frustrates you and you just, you can't see things right. Mm -hmm. So to look at a problem and find the root and deal with it, that's not happening because it's like you're on fight or flight mode constantly. Yeah, you do. You have to break away from that. You got to separate the emotions. Right. You got to get outside of your situation in order to really see it for what it really is. Yeah, and I remember feeling that adrenaline when you're in that mode, and I'm sure you've all felt this at some point, um, that adrenaline was so strong that I wasn't, I was not sleeping. Like, I don't know how much sleep I got for a little chunk of time, like a, probably a week and a half. And then off and on because it's like I couldn't shut down at night. I was so tired, but I was like not able to sleep. Which is another evidence that something is broken because that's not the way that it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be simple and easy all the time, but it's not supposed to be that stressful. Right. So recognize that this is not what I want to have happen. I need to find a better way to do this. And kind of what we landed on to sum up this story is after praying about it, I suggested that you work with one of them for an hour and then just kind of rotate. In order for that to work, then somebody has to be with Adelaide and the other two have to be doing their independent work. And we figured out that rotation and that largely works pretty well. There are still times when people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, but it was kind of amazing to me anyways, as an outside observer to this whole thing, how pretty much overnight when you started doing this, that things kind of, kind of flipped and it went from kind of looking at your face. Like, I'm not sure if I can handle this anymore to like, okay, I got this. Yeah. No, it really was that strong of a transition. And we played off of it being a team effort. Like school is no different than any other area of our life. It is a team effort. We are a family. We need to work together because we've instilled that mindset in our habits that we've talked about before and how we do that as a group. And so that really helped because they understood that. They understood Mm -hmm. that like, okay, we, I really had to paint the picture. Like, I cannot help you all at once. I have yep. really, and I shared with them how I was feeling. I don't do that all the time. But this was the time to really get them to understand why this was so important. Like, when I'm having my meeting with you, someone else can't come and interrupt. It's like yep. I'm having a meeting 
like uh, the kids have gotten used to with this COVID stuff and us having a lot of Zoom <laughs> meetings, like whether it's Mike with work or with me with different mom's things. Mom's in a meeting. Mom's in a meeting. Like even <laughs> Natalie's like, mom's in a meeting and she won't come and barge in or anything. Yep. And so it was really important for me to share all of this and paint the whole picture for them to get it. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say they don't ever interrupt when Toby and I are sitting doing Latin or with another child, but it has very much limited that. Yeah, and I think there's a couple reasons for that. Um, when you are working one-on-one with the, the kids, it's kind of a way of showing that at least for that moment in time, like they're the most important person. Yeah. And I think they really do like having mom's undivided attention for that time, even if it isn't undivided all the time, for the most part it is. Uh, and so they feel a little bit special when they're they're doing that. Even with Adelaide, like I've been trying to, when I take my breaks and Adelaide's uh, not taking a nap in the afternoon or something, like I'll just go play with her for a little bit because I noticed that when I do that, at right afterwards, she's more well-behaved for you. <laughs> she's a better listener. She's more chill, not as demanding, you know, because I think part of it is they, they do want that attention. And when they know that this is when they're going to get the attention, then it's easier to wait sometimes. Yeah. And uh, a few things as we've gone along in this further, we've been doing it, I think, two weeks now, is I noticed a dynamic when it was one of the boys' turns to play with Adelaide. <laughs> he wasn't doing his independent work and he didn't have his meeting with me. He, The dynamic of those two is like oil and water. <laughs> it's like she knows that he can be a little bit emotional and so she picks on him. Yep. Uh, and, it's kind of silly to, to uh, describe it that way, but it's totally what that's, happens. Yeah, <laughs> like she, she's very strong-willed. She's a little nugget, but she is fierce. Mm-hmm. And so she sees the, the area of weakness she and she exploits weakness. it. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we're like, okay, well, maybe we'll just not have those two do a playtime together necessarily at, at this point anyway. That will probably change. But actually, our youngest, Malachi, is the best with mm-hmm. her currently because he just, they both like to do imaginary play a lot. Yeah. So part of what makes us work is the combinations. Yes. But also part of what makes us work is the order. So I remember when we recognized that and we're like, well, what's going on here? That Like you mentioned that he hadn't had his one-on-one time with you yet. And we discovered that he actually is way more focused in the morning. Yeah, I so, had him for, had Jonathan first on Friday, I think it was, and he said, "I really like doing that first because the yeah. later on it got for him, the worse it was." Exactly. So even just the structure, like that's not enough really to make this really click the way that it's supposed to be. You have to you have to go to God about all the individual little details. Yeah, and, and it's, then when you yeah. when all those pieces are where they're supposed to be, that's when things flow. And again, not just saying that it's easy, it's still a ton of work, but it's not harder than it has to be. <laughs> right, right. And it, it it's interesting too, because yeah, as we went along two weeks into it, we were noticing those little nuances that, okay, Jonathan can go first. That's great. Because Toby's pretty flexible. We, we were doing him first with Latin, because for him and I, obviously, it's quite challenging. And so to get that out of the way right away was really good. But in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't best. Yep. 
you're probably doing that because it was the most difficult thing for you. And you're like, let's just get this out of the way. Pretty much. <laughs> but with all the other dynamics, that was not the right approach. <laughs> yeah. And actually, it's interesting because it's helped the Latin go more smoothly, too, because they kind of settle in better if I don't have to do that first too, because that was really like, please don't interrupt us because we mm -hmm. need to focus, which didn't always happen right away at like 8, 8.30 in the morning. Right. So I think that helps people maybe understand the specifics of the situation and kind of where we landed on it. So now let's jump into these steps for people to take when things are just not working. Yeah. So, and just to say also, so we've been homeschooling, what, seven, eight years? And it wasn't working this year, right? So mm -hmm. you could call me an experienced homeschool mom, which I've never actually really felt like, to be <laughs> honest. Um, but I want to say that no matter what circumstance you find yourself in schooling your children currently, especially if you're listening to this in 2020, right? Mm -hmm. Things can always change and improve. It just takes a little bit of insight and getting a little bit outside of your situation to kind of determine the root issues and how that can be dealt with. So and, with that... And ultimately, just real quickly, we should always be doing that. Yeah, that's true. We right. should be going to the drawing board every single year yep. and saying, what's the right way right. to make all of this work? It's easy to just settle into a routine that's worked in the past and be like, yeah, we'll just continue to do this. And that's okay. But you can't just get stuck there. <laughs> I feel right. like if you just get stuck doing that, you will never be able to fully realize the potential of the, the time and the talent that you have to work with. You do need to go back and get a fresh plan for every season of your life. Yeah, and whether you're homeschooling, crisis schooling, virtual schooling, we all can just go about it in a way that is best for everyone. And sometimes it's really hard and it takes a lot of evaluation of the situation and creating the best system and then constantly reevaluating, like you said. Yep. Adjust and repair <laughs> continually, which That's right. sometimes feels exhausting, but it's worth it. Mm -hmm. So here's some steps to take. First of all, this is a big one. Recognize it's broke, which sounds obvious, but you know what? Sometimes it's easier to just stay in the crazy, right? It feels like that in any way. But well, if you stay in the crazy, I can totally see why people would, would do that, especially if you associate your identity with being able to make it not crazy. Because uh. if you are, I mean, this is going back to growth versus fixed mindset. The fact that this thing is crazy, you can view that as an attack on your character as, well, you're not good enough to make it non-crazy. <laughs> it's not necessarily true. Uh, right. So separate those things. Yeah. Yeah. This is a lesson I've had to learn um, a lot over the years because uh, ever since I was little, I'm naturally a peacekeeper. And a lot of times your strengths can be your biggest weakness because that's what's kind of used against you, right? So I had, you know, you, if you're a peacekeeper, there's a lot of fel false peacekeeping. What does that mean? That just means you don't really look at the problem. It's all rosy and fine if you don't look at it, right? But I've had to learn over the years to really look at it and face it head on. The absence of conflict 
does not equate to the presence of peace. No, exactly. What did I just say? Peace to subdue. Mm-hmm. You have to put down the barrage of the attack, the mental attack, what's going on around us to have peace. Peace comes from the inside out. Which means if there is an issue, deal with it. Yes. Do not try to pretend that it's not there and be like, well, I don't want to rock the boat, so we're just not going to talk about this thing. <laughs> right. No, and I feel like I've come into my own too where I found my voice and I'm okay being a potster. I know I had a meeting today where I'm like asking all the hard questions and I'm going, sorry, but I have another one because this is the stuff we have to ask. We have to plan for these things. And so one of the scriptures that really helps me is Proverbs 31, 27. It says, she looks well to how things go in her household. And the bread of idleness, which is gossip, discontent, and self-pity, she will not eat. I'm not going to feel bad for myself. I'm not going to waste my time talking about other people. I'm not going to be discontent. I'm going to look at that thing and deal with it. Yep. Not saying I do it like that all the time, but that's my goal. Right. And then next step would be, let's start identifying the specifics of what's not working. What's going on in me that that I feel overwhelmed for us, with the school example, it was a lack of structure, lack of schedule, a lack of order, and I had to just control what I can control, which was my attitude, first of all, mm-hmm. my level of faith, and honestly, the atmosphere. That doesn't mean the circumstance necessarily, but the yep. atmosphere, because the whole <laughs> the old saying, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy, there's a lot <laughs> of truth in that. I mean, the same it's with true. dad, right? We really do set the course. We really do set an atmosphere in our homes. And our children respond to that. Yep. And we can be content and joyful even in the toughest circumstances. Correct. I have a t-shirt that I really love. Some days I wear it that I'm like, I put it on to inspire myself, right? (laughs) I think it was Sean West that designed it. We'll put a link to it if you still got it for sale. A smooth sea never makes a skilled sailor. It just, I don't know, it just really inspires me that if things were always calm in the circumstances around me, that wouldn't make me skilled at navigating, that right? doesn't help you grow. No. And no one wants to be in those seasons of growth. No one wants to endure hardship. But hindsight, after we've conquered something and become victorious through something, we can recognize and value how much we grew in our character. And that time is priceless. Those hard times are priceless because of who we become. Yep. Growth is stretching. Stretching makes you feel stretched thin, maybe. You know, it's uh, like a cord that's being stretched it's the same material, but now it's covering a larger surface area. It doesn't feel doesn't feel very good a lot of times, but that's how you grow. That's how you increase your capacity. That's how you maximize the talents that you have to work with. Yep. And you moms out there, it reminds me, I kept thinking about pregnant belly and how it just stretches and grows <laughs> and you feel all those weird ligament pains and you're like, what is this? Is this normal? But we have to feel that. We have to let that stretch and grow so that the baby can grow, right? Yep. So stretching, it does not mean that it's not working. Right. The fact that you're uncomfortable does not mean that it's not working. Right. So recognize that that's not the same thing as kind of what we were talking about where it's like this just 
can't continue. No, no. So that's different than, man, I really hope that I don't have to continue to keep getting up early with my newborn child forever because you won't. Like that will be a season that you you will get through. Uh, I'm doing a poor job maybe of describing these differences, but sometimes, you know, if something is broken, then it is going to be a major hindrance or obstacle that's going to prevent you from doing what you need ultimately to do. And that's going to be different than a period of growth where you are being naturally stretched and developed into the person that is going to have the capacity to do the thing that is next in your your future. And uh, it can be difficult to tell those apart sometimes, but it's really important to have that discernment because the next thing you're talking about here, why isn't it working? I mean, for this, the difference here between it not working or just being uncomfortable, uh, if you were to say, well, this is uncomfortable, I'm going to go back to the way things were, you could do that. You will never grow. You will stay at the exact same spot doing the exact same thing for the rest of your life. So if you are not making progress, I would argue that is one sign that you are not being pushed outside of your comfort zone, haven't embraced that growth mindset yet, maybe, uh, and you should be looking to do that. But we're talking about really like crisis mode. Uh, this is not the type of atmosphere that we want in our our home. What do we do about this? That's where you need to look at why is this not working and what ultimately can we do about it? Yep. So the why isn't it working for our example, it's that we had no working plan in place. You know, the focus was divided, split five different ways constantly, lack of structure and planning. And then continuing on, I had to figure out who could I confide in and ask for feedback because I was so, like I said, I was so stressed. My adrenaline was running. I wasn't sleeping well that I couldn't see it right. I couldn't even wrap my head around what to do. I just felt overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I talked to my husband, like I mentioned. He gave me the awesome feedback. But then also I had a parent meeting for uh, Joshua's Essentials program, which is like a 4th through 6th grade grammar and writing type program. And so once in a while we have a parent meeting to get ready for the next units that they'll be studying and learning and writing. And so it was really good because at the end of the meeting, I go, okay, so I have a problem and I would love your feedback. I know, especially some of you, you have as many kids as I have and you are more experienced than I am. So I want to hear what do you do? And I explained this situation briefly and they gave me feedback. It was awesome. And then next, how am I going to apply this awesome feedback? Some of it I applied, some of it I didn't. But one of them did say, I schedule meetings with them, which is what my husband had just told me oh, days prior. I was like, okay. <laughs> but he's not the expert. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. I don't think you ever said that. But that's, <laughs> uh, that is a thing, I think, where sometimes we can hear the right message, the right thing to do. But because of where it comes from, where the, the source of the signal is, we can dismiss it. No, we yeah, and it's called familiarity. Yep. So we got to, again, be discerning to recognize, I mean, our kids can do that. They can say things that it's easy in the moment to be like, oh, well, you're just a kid. I know more than you do. I have more life experience, so I'm not going to listen to that thing. But a lot of times there's nuggets of truth in there. Yeah. And if we are honest with ourselves, they're noticing something that we really should be correcting. Yeah. <laughs> so don't be too proud to 
to uh, accept that feedback or even criticism, even if it's not delivered in the right way, like separate the tone from the message and ask yourself, is there some truth in this? What should I be doing in response to this? Yeah. And, you know, when you're married to someone, you can get familiar and not really hear what they're saying. Because I didn't necessarily think this consciously, but probably in the back of my head, I'm going, yeah, you just throw out an idea of having a meeting with each of my children. You think that's going to work, buddy? Have you seen what's going on? You don't even know, right? Yeah. I don't know yeah. what I was thinking. I was felt a little crazy at that time, to be honest with you. But hearing some of these moms, too, kind of share these things. The one even that said it, she's like, yeah, usually I actually have a schedule where they each have time with me. She said, honestly, we haven't gotten that down yet this year either, but we've done that in the past. And then another one said that they would uh, schedule different things and sometimes they would have like a babysitter come or one family, their youngest was in a little preschool program, half days. And one said, we just joined with a bunch of families and each family made a busy bag. They made like 10 different busy bags and all the families swapped. So they had a bunch of different things that their toddlers could do. I'm like, that's all smart, fun stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And some of it's like, I don't think I can do that, but I can do some of these other things. So last step was we adjusted, we reevaluated and we kept applying the methods that worked. Mm -hmm. And if they weren't working, we just kept tweaking over the last two weeks. So like I said, we always experiment on ourselves. And that's why we have this podcast to share with you what's working and what's not. Yep. Now, one of the things I think we need to talk about real briefly here in terms of adjustments, adjustments is not a complete radical change to everything starting from scratch. I think maybe there are scenarios where you would have to do that, but they are few and far between. And most often, the things that are going to produce the biggest results are going to be the little adjustments. So little things like changing up the order of the one-on-ones or the office hours with the kids and and putting Jonathan first because that's when he focuses better. That's a great example. Right idea, wrong implementation equals crazy, still crazy result right? And just flipping those things around like, ah, that's the thing that makes the difference. And it's totally that way with everything in your life. Things can just not be working. And then all of a sudden you change one little thing and you're like, there's no way it's going to make any difference. And it makes all the difference. There's a, a phrase I like, permanent beta, which, you know, when you think about a beta app, it's an application that is not released, meaning that it's not finished being worked on yet. And so I like to apply that idea to myself, thinking that I've never really arrived and I'm going to continue to tinker with my, with my code (laughs) and just continue to squash those bugs and continue to get better every single day. Yes. I love how nerdy that example was, (laughs) but it's true. true. (laughs) Growth mindset. Uh, I've actually mentioned this quote before, I believe, working harder on ourselves than on our job. And for me, my main job is being with my children, raising my children, homeschooling my children. But I need to work harder on myself than on that even. Yep. And that's what this evaluation was. I had to look at myself and why do I not have the fruits of the spirit going on in my life right now? Mm -hmm. 
because I was letting the craziness of trying to manage all this get the best of me and I wasn't seeing things clearly. Yep. So I guess for you, the question would be, is there something not working in your life? Is there something in your life, even if it's little, you know, what can you do? Are you, what kind of beta do you need to get going? What kind of code (laughs) (laughs) do you need to tweak, right? Yep. Um, So I encourage you to take some time and really look at it for what it is. Find the root of what's going on and possibly ask for some feedback from some trusted people in your life. Maybe that's a pastor. Maybe it's a mentor. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a really close friend that you can trust. And start applying some of those things and start trying them out. Never know till you try, right? Exactly. And don't despise the small beginnings. Yes. It's those small things that can make a big difference. Yeah. And as soon as I stop taking myself so seriously and what I'm going through so seriously, that helps a lot as well. So continually refining, continually adjusting and repairing our lives. That's the nature of being human, isn't it? Yep. And with that, we want to thank you so much for listening again to the Intentional Family Podcast. It's an honor to walk this journey with each and every one of you. We can be found at intentionalfamily.fm. Until next time, join us in living life intentionally.